Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. It's Tuesday, May 31st, and we're bringing you real-time news. Fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. Today is the first day of summer break for students in Uvalde, Texas, but it's not a day for celebration. Instead, the town is holding the first funerals for two of the 19 children killed in last week's mass shooting. The visitation for 10-year-old Amory Joe Garza is being held at a funeral home across the street from Robb Elementary, and the one for 10-year-old Maite Rodriguez is at another funeral home in Uvalde. The Justice Department is investigating the police response in Uvalde. The mayor of Uvalde wants the feds to find answers to painful questions, such as, why did it take a reported 78 minutes for a tactical team to stop the shooter? Why was the school district police chief in charge instead of someone with special training? And while children reportedly called 911 begging for help, why did they wait for a janitor's key to enter the classroom? The Canadian government has introduced legislation that would ban the sale of handguns. The measure, supported by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, would also force owners of so-called military-style assault weapons to sell them back to the government. Trudeau says the legislation, which is expected to pass, was inspired by the worsening gun violence, quote, south of the border. Tom Cruise is 59 years old. He's been in dozens of blockbusters. And yet, over the weekend, he got his first ever $100 million opening weekend. Top Gun Maverick is crushing it at theaters. And apparently, it's bringing older theatergoers back to the movies. According to Paramount, half of the people who went to see Top Gun were over the age of 35. It seems like women can't escape sexual violence anywhere, even in Facebook's so-called metaverse. A nonprofit watchdog says that within an hour of putting on an Oculus virtual reality headset, a female researcher's avatar was raped in Meta's social network called Horizon World. One of the worst parts from the report is how the woman's controller vibrated whenever the male avatars touched her, which is just beyond awful. Researchers also reported homophobia, racial slurs, and even gun violence in the metaverse. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and review. It helps people find the show. Coming up, we talk about why women, more so than men, are given tasks that don't get them ahead in the workplace and how to fix it. The European Union has agreed to block most Russian oil imports, a move that will cost Russia billions of dollars. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen is pleased. Thanks to this, Council should now be able to finalize a ban on almost 90% of all Russian oil imports by the end of the year. Hungary had been opposed to the ban, calling it an atomic bomb for its economy. The agreement approved early this morning allows Russian oil to flow through a pipeline to Hungary for now. Ukraine's top prosecutor, Irina Vendiktova, is charging a Russian soldier with murdering a man and raping his wife in March when Russian forces entered the suburbs around Kyiv. It's the first rape trial from the invasion, but 
any conviction will most likely be symbolic. The accused man, Mikhail Romanov, hasn't been captured. Still, Ukraine says it will bring him to trial. Ukraine officials have said Russian soldiers are using rape as a key weapon in its genocidal attack on Ukraine. After two months of an intense lockdown, Shanghai is starting to reopen. Since March, the city's 25 million residents have been largely confined to their homes, with many unable to venture out even for food and water. But now, as COVID cases have sharply declined, public transportation and schools are gradually coming back, as well as grocery stores, shopping malls, and other businesses. The Ukrainian rap and folk group that won the Eurovision Song Contest last month has auctioned off its trophy to support the Ukrainian army. Kalush Orchestra sold its crystal trophy for $900,000 in a Facebook auction over the weekend, and all of the funds will go to the Ukrainian military to purchase new aircraft. The group has previously said it will only celebrate the win when the war in Ukraine is over. If you road tripped over the long weekend, it's probably no surprise to you that gas prices in the U.S. have just hit another record high. The average cost of a tank across the country is now about $4.60 a gallon. That's a 52% increase from a year ago, according to AAA. And in California, the average price is $6.15 a gallon. Time to dust off your bike, am I right? Women in the workplace regularly spend way more time than men doing the type of work that doesn't help them get ahead. And four professors, who are also friends, started to notice how by saying yes to these types of tasks, they were actually hurting their careers. So they started a no club to help each other learn how to be more strategic when taking on this extra work. And they researched and wrote a book on why women end up taking these non-promotable tasks so much more often than men. Linda Babcock is an econ professor at Carnegie Mellon and one of the no club book authors. What do you mean by non-promotable tasks? So this is work that is important to your organization but doesn't advance the person who does the work. So you can think of lots of examples from typical office housework. If you've ever helped someone with their work, you helped out in recruiting, you mentored somebody, you sat on a government's committee, you did DEI work. This is all typically non-promotable work. That is, it won't ever show up in your performance evaluation. And we know this work is important to organizations, And so there's this disconnect between what's important and what's rewarded. And that's where non-promotable work fits in. Is this universal across industries? Absolutely. We saw it in every occupation that we looked at. It could be certainly people who are consultants or lawyers, but it can also show up in government workers, TSA agents, bartenders, nurses, really across occupations. This work is everywhere. How did you conduct your research? Well, we did a variety of things. We did some laboratory experiments where we put people in groups where they had to find someone to do an undesirable task. And what we found is that women were 50% more likely to agree to do the task. Hmm. And when people had to ask someone to do a task in the lab, they were 50% more likely to ask a woman versus a man. And we found that female consultants spent 200 more hours per year than male consultants doing non-promotable work. 
Why are women performing these tasks more than men? Well, there's two things. We ask them more and they say yes more. And so that it creates a double whammy for women. It's the expectations that we all hold that women will do this work because, you know, we typically see women as helpers, as agreeable. And so there can be backlash against women who say no to this work. Linda, are there any strategies that are effective for saying no? Yes. And the research is really clear on this. Most people, when they say no, they give an excuse. And that's not actually what the requester wants to hear. They want help. And so if you're going to say no, say it in a way that helps the requester. You can say, you know, I can't fit this into my schedule right now, but I know that Brian would be great at this task. So I love the idea of saying no, but is it at all different to say no as a white woman in the workplace than it is for women of color? Certainly. White women have a lot more privilege in the workplace. They have more latitude to assert themselves. And so while white women may face some penalties for saying no, for women of color, the penalties are going to be even greater. So obviously, the burden shouldn't just fall on women to say no. So how can male colleagues and managers do better to solve this disparity? You have to start with awareness of the issue. I think many people are not aware that women are doing more than their fair share of this non-promotable work, in part because this work is often invisible. What we found in our experience working with organizations is when men realize that they have not been doing their fair share, many of them are happy to step up to the plate and take on the work um, so that it doesn't hurt their female colleagues. But ultimately, the responsibility for solving this problem sits with leadership and thinking about you know, when you have non-promotable work, think carefully about who you're assigning it to. Are you going back to the same woman just because she says yes? Or can I find a better allocation so that it's more fairly distributed across my employees? Linda, thank you so much for joining us on the Refresh from Insider. No, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Linda Babcock is one of the authors of The No Club, Putting a Stop to Women's Dead-End Work. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play The Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Talk to you soon. Refresh.